0: This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer.
1: Welcome to In Conversation. I'm Ann Romer. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and enlightening. David Phillips has been tracking weather systems for more than half a century. Massive snowstorms, torrential downpours, gale force winds, heat waves, lightning, thunder, tornadoes, and yes, even sunny skies and pleasant weather. You know him, you love him, because he tells the weather tale in an understandable way and with unbridled enthusiasm. From Vancouver to St. John's. From Fahrenheit to Celsius, from weather bombshells to perfectly peaceful placid predictions, David Phillips has seen it all. Environment Canada's senior climatologist joins us now in conversation. Thank you for being with us, David.
0: Well, thank you, Anne, for having me. And boy, I heard all that misery of of storms and blizzards mm-hmm. and that. And I thought, you know, I'm a guy with the the big black cloud that hangs over him. But you ended it with some sunny skies and and uh, and wonderful conditions. And so, hey, I'm a, I'm a I guess I'm a, a guy for all seasons. Now
1: you are. That's a perfect way to put it, David. So here's what I picture: uh, a little boy in shorts and you know flip flops and looking up at weather vanes and maybe even putting his index finger up to see what the wind direction is. Is that how it all began for you?
0: Oh, man, I would love it to be that. I'd love to tell you I was four years old. I had the instruments in my backyard and And uh, subscribe to Weatherwise magazine, (laughs) but hey, you'd probably find me in those short pants with a brush cut. But I'd probably be playing hockey on the street or or uh, or football on the boulevard in Windsor, Ontario, which is the thunderstorm capital of Canada and the beginning of Little Tornado Alley. So maybe I got my interest in weather honestly because of what was happening outside. But uh, but no, I um, I I really wasn't going to be a weather weenie. Uh, I grew to be one, and. uh, uh, as i started my career and that was my gosh 50 some years ago i've been i've had two jobs in my lifetime i was a room service waiter at the ban springs hotel and i've been a climatologist and i always felt i had something to fall back on if things got rough as a weather guy that's
1: so funny all right so let's let's talk about your time at environment canada what was weather forecasting like 50 plus years ago what was the equipment like
0: Yeah, you know, it's really a subject that changes both in the science and the technology. It's very, very much that kind of a discipline. And uh, I can remember, my gosh, uh, maybe some of your listeners will remember uh, Percy Saltzman throwing chalk back uh, a long time ago to come up with forecasts. Now, of course, it's about Doppler radar, radar, and supercomputers and automatic stations. But one thing that hasn't changed at all, Anne, is the, the, really the foundation, the legs upon which forecasting is based I mean really three steps involved you have to make an observation of your conditions outside you can look out the window or sniff the air but what is the what 's happening right now with the atmosphere then you have to kind of make a forecast how 's that condition going to change in the next hour or seven days or, or whatever. And then you have to tell somebody because every meteorologist knows that a forecast, no matter how accurate and and uh, timely it is, it is useless unless it can get in the hands of somebody that can um, can make their life safer or more comfortable or, or turn a profit. So it's come a long way. Uh, now we can get forecasts. Uh, you don't even have to be in front of the television set or near the radio. You can be in the wilderness in Ontario, in your, in your app, you can get a, uh, an instant forecast of what conditions are about to be. So everybody in Canada, whether it be an Inuit on an ice flow or a hearing-impaired child in Scarborough, uh, can get an accurate and can get a access to, a, to weather forecasts. So I think that's been the real change.
1: So David, we understand the equipment, even though I don't really understand it, but we know that it has a prominent role in forecasting. What about instinct?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's a good question. You know, instinct is important. I always think, you know, to be a, a weather person, you need not just a science degree, but you need a thick thick skin too, because you know, hey, it's the one job you know as you drive home whether you're going to be right or wrong instantly. And uh, but we get great satisfaction in what we do and how well we do it matters to everybody. But certainly, instinct. I often find the best forecasters and are are ones that have been in the in the chair. A long time that have seen everything come—the march of the seasons, the surprises, the mistakes, the uh, the retraining you have to do—it is—it is something that uh, means a lot to us. But we also recognize that hey, you can have a job and be be wrong half the time.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting as I listen to you. I, I realize in hearing you speak that weather unites us. It seems to be the number one topic uh, in all of Canada. Uh, All the time, even through a pandemic, people are still talking about the weather in and amongst each other.
0: And you're so right. I think that's really what Canadian, if we went to define who a Canadian is, somehow weather would have to be there. I mean, the people in other parts of the world don't talk about the weather like Canadians. But, you know, our polling tells us 94 percent. Think about it. We're united in our need to know the weather in Canada. Ninety-four percent of Canadians don't leave home without getting the weather word. And, you know, Andy, it's often, it's not just a, you know, a life-preserving decision. It may be, it could be a 25-cent decision as to whether to dress Johnny or Mary more warmly to go to school or to cancel that social engagement. I've seen neighbours who will not even talk during the year, but with a snowstorm, it's like the common enemy, and they'll be out there shoveling and gabbing and, and dealing with fit in, in that, that kind of way. So I think one of the things that really I, I think is so true about Canadian situation is the variability. You know, in, in Southern Ontario, I'd say if you don't like the weather, drive five minutes or, or go five miles or, or wait five minutes. In Newfoundland, they say, if you don't like the weather out your front door, look out your back door. <laughs> I mean, it changes on a dime here. And I think that is the spice of life of Canadian weather and why Canadians need to know every day what the weather's going to be, and sometimes you're dressed well in the morning, but you're not in the afternoon for the same kind of, of, of day and, and a different kind of weather conditions. So I think it's never a dull moment talking about the weather in Canada. And uh, yes, it can be a friend or a foe, but it's never boring as Canadians, and that's why even in a pandemic we talk about weather and that need to know what the day is going to, how it's going to unfold for us.
1: And learning about the weather, I understand that you are very involved in citizenship ceremonies. Does the weather play a factor in that?
0: Well, kind of, you know, as a volunteer, I do actually swear in new Canadians. I love that that volunteerism of of what I've been able to do. And uh, what I do in front of groups of a hundred or more at a time is I talk about the weather. Of course, that's my passion. And I see smiles coming on their faces. And and as we present them with certificates and and shake their hand, they often say to me, well, you know, I, I can't believe that Canadians talk about the weather. So much as they do it starts and stops all conversations. people where I came from never talk about the weather it 's going to be the same tomorrow as it was yesterday and uh, but and in fact, even the teachers of first uh, of, of uh, English as a second language will often say to me that they teach weather right at the beginning because this allows the student to to carry on conversations with Canadians and feel comfortable with it. I think all Canadians feel that their their weather they're meteorologists in a way we're always trying to forecast the weather. I think if they felt it with science, they'd feel intimidated, but for us, weather is Lifestyle. It's saying, well, what are you going to wear today, and what are you going to eat, and hey, what's the weather going to
1: be like? <laughs> All right, the language of weather, that's one thing. But what about the sound of it? David, when you hear this, what goes through your mind?
0: Oh my gosh! And yes, it, it's we, we are a, a country of extremes of weather. Um, this we, it reminds me of the summer coming up. It is the lightning uh, uh, cent, We uh, we do get three million lightning hits a uh, a year in Canada. And uh, but you know what's interesting is that everybody's scared of thunder but not lightning. I mean, thunder doesn't hurt you at all. I've heard of somebody went deaf once short-term because uh, f- f- of thunder, but it's really lightning is kind of the um, the bite thunder is the bark, but we uh, thunder could scare the bejeebies out of us, but it 's really lightning that is that can be deadly more people die and, and are injured by lightning than any other weather element in the summertime, so we always have to be sure uh, that we know what to do when when uh, nature sort of tells us it 's going to be lightning and it 's nature 's fair in a way Anne. it doesn 't sort of you don 't get uh, a lightning just at a on a, on a cloudless sky, it's its often you kind of know there's threatening weather. And then lightning and thunder is very much part of the situation across Canada and, uh, and, and everywhere from the Arctic to, uh, to where I come from in Windsor, Ontario, which is the thunderstorm capital of Canada. Mm-hmm. I know thunder and lightning very well.
1: It's obvious that you have enormous respect for Mother Nature, particularly in the weather department. She rules, doesn't she?
0: Because you know we try to outguess her she she always has the trump cards mother nature and and I think um, uh, particularly from one season to the next, we think that we're somehow old good weather Uh-uh-uh. Mother nature will dish dish it up as she as she feels uh, uh, that uh, she will and we just have to kind of accept it, go along with it. But hey, uh, we we also can turn uh, a bad day into a good day. You know, we often say, even meteorologists will say, well, you know, at least we were right in our forecast. (laughs) It wasn't very pleasant, but hey, we got it right. So, uh, but weather is something that we'll always talk about. And even with perfect forecasts, if it comes in the future, I don't think it will. Uh, We'll, as Canadians, you'll always find part of our psyche, our character is that need to know the weather and something that we continue to talk about.
1: March 20th, so one week from today at 5.37 in the morning, spring arrives. Are you (laughs) comfortable putting back on the forecaster hat just for a moment? And let us know what your thoughts are about the spring of 2021.
0: Well, and we think certainly in Ontario it's going to be milder than normal, but it's always tough in a seasonal forecast to say. People think it's a weather forecast. It's a seasonal. It's looking at the personality, the character of what the weather is going to be. And we know spring is very fickle and fitful. We talk about her being just kind of, a. uh, it's almost as if you can get four seasons in, in one day. I remember last year Mother's Day in May was more like St. Patrick's Day. We've had snow and cold, so I think we have to be patient. In spring, it's my one of my favorite seasons. It's I love the smells of spring, but we think it's going to be uh, a, you know milder than normal. But don't hey. My favorite little piece of uh, wisdom is till April's dead, change not a thread. Oh. Uh, don't put away the snow shovels or take away the snow pants until April's finished, because hey, Mother Nature can turn on us in an instant.
1: You have a wonderful partner in life, your wife. Uh, did you woo her with weather forecasts in in the day? <laughs> no, you know the only thing I'm never allowed to talk about is the
0: weather at home. She kind of tunes me out. Although she does, she does actually ask me occasionally what the weather is, but. I don't know, sometimes I seem to, when I tell her the forecast, it, it doesn't always seem to work out that way. And so I don't think she thinks I'm pretty good at what I do, but uh, she's put up a lot with me when people call me at 6 in the morning to get a, a weather forecast. Unfortunately, I sometimes think my, my energy, my passion, my, my voice uh, increases in volume because I, I'm so, I just love talking about the weather and, and I'm afraid that it sometimes wakes her
1: up. We think you do a great job, and thank you so much for joining us in conversation. David Phillips, Environment Canada's senior climatologist and storyteller extraordinaire, thank you. Thank
0: you, and so much. I just would like to be with you today. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. David Phillips, this one's for you. Coming up on the road with storm chaser, Dan Wexler.
0: This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line, info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region.
1: When bad weather hits, most of us run for cover. Dan Wexler, on the other hand, runs straight into the eye of the storm or as close to it as safely possible. Dan Wexler is a severe weather chaser, spotter, and reporter. Okay, if visions of the movie Twister are dancing in your head right now, you're not alone. So why does he do it? And how dangerous is his job? Daring Dan Wexler joins us now in conversation.
2: Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much for having me.
1: So the burning question, why do you do it?
2: (laughs) That's a long, long story. But uh, it turned out uh, that in the beginning days, it was for the thrill, when I was a little bit uh, ignorant of the severity of what's going on. And uh, not too long after that, up until now, so let's call it about 25 years, uh, I do it because I like to... uh, help communities that's uh, in the path of these severe events
1: so how do you know what's going to happen and tell me what the process is then once you get word that there is something threatening coming your way
2: well realistically uh, forecasting is what what's done Um, so I will know anywhere between a week to even four weeks if there's a setup of severe weather And uh, I'll forecast a specific area. And as the time gets closer, I'll just hone that to know exactly where I'm going. Because, uh, well, you know, if a tornado comes down or a severe weather event uh, in relation to the size of, well, Canada, (laughs) you can't be driving around everywhere. So you really need to know how to forecast a specific area.
1: And why do you choose to chase a severe weather system?
2: Um, So... Uh, Again, this started a long, long, long time ago uh, and I realized that weather is unpredictable and you cannot pinpoint a specific area and therefore you sort of have to go after it as it's developing and moving around and once you're in that area, because weather and clouds and storm systems are moving, you have to chase them.
1: (laughs) So who do you report your findings, your observations to?
2: Well, primarily, um, we have what's called the CanWarn Network in, uh, in Canada, and uh, it's operated uh, through Environment Canada. Uh, we use amateur radio, like ham radio, and in real time, we can call in with our uh, observations and findings, and they can put out warnings ahead uh, into the communities that it's heading to.
1: So tell me about perhaps your most harrowing experience, where you saw your life flashed before your very eyes as you were chasing and spotting severe weather?
2: (laughs) Well, there are, uh, there are a few of them. Um, a lot of them were again in the non-educated time of chasing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then near the end of that, until I had a really healthy respect, that would have been, uh, in 2007 in a place called Muscatine, Iowa, where, um, Perhaps I was a little tired and I've been driving for a couple of days to to get to that location. And uh, the radar showed an event happening to my right, but in fact it was to my left and behind me. Um, And it was a tornado. I did get side swiped by it, which threw my vehicle into the ditch and kind of rolled me there. Um, But luckily it it was moving quick enough that I didn't get the blunt of it.
1: And you're alive to tell the tale.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um I mean I've been I've been uh, my vehicles have been hit twice by lightning on the antennas, which you can imagine what damage that did. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so uh, back to the tornado. What yes. did you glean from that? So you had a brush with it obviously and that was a that was pretty terrifying, but what were you able to take from that experience to share with others?
2: Well, that's uh that really showed me a, a very, very healthy respect for, for severe weather, uh, Mother Nature, <laughs> how insignificant uh, <laughs> I am in relation to the size of those things. And basically, I'm, if I do some school presentations or I'm, I'm speaking somewhere, I tell everybody that if you've seen the worst type of thunderstorm, you never have seen the worst type of thunderstorm because mm-hmm. there can always be more. Um even with the education that I have now i still I still put myself within close proximity of severe weather, but I know exactly where to be not to get hit by hail or or you know downbursts and extreme uh winds and uh the people that think uh that they'd like to get into storm chasing <laughs> um there's there's a lot to learn before you you would attempt to do something like that
1: Dan, you then prefer to be called. A severe weather chaser rather than a storm chaser what's the difference
2: well the difference uh it, it's it's not that much of a difference but it is i i love weather in all its forms um i'm, I'm not necessarily going after the tornado every time i do go out for hours or days at a time uh, chasing severe weather so hurricanes or uh, uh, extreme wind events Snowstorms, so all types of weather. A storm chaser primarily is going after a specific storm and and needs generally to get something specific out of it, or they call it a bust. Anytime I go out uh, for severe weather, it's never a bust for me. So I didn't get the tornado, but that's okay because I, I got some great pictures. and. You know, the best thing, one of the best things is meeting people on the road and getting their stories of weather, because weather is a great topic in Canada.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> often talked about, that is for sure. So do you find that you experience something like a battle between you and dangerous weather?
2: Uh, yes, definitely, because I, I am sort of, quote, armed hmm. with uh, education, radar, uh, all the latest tools in forecasting and seeing what the weather is doing literally right in front of me. Uh, but it's never a sure thing. As we all know, Mother Nature does whatever she wants <laughs> at any given time.
1: Can you, because this is radio and we can't see it, but can you describe your fully equipped four-wheel drive vehicle? What's in it and what's on it?
2: Right, so uh, for this uh year or for the last few years I'm using a Nissan Xterra and uh, four-wheel drive because when severe weather hits there's debris on the, on the roadways or there's no roadways so I need to get in and out pretty easy. Um, inside it uh, hardwired, meaning what I leave in it all year round is uh, VHF radio, UHF radio, so ham radios uh, EB radios, uh, scanners um, and what I put for the seasons are Uh, radars and uh, mobile weather stations. Um, But right now with the invent of computers (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, on screen we can have live radar and obviously our cell phone.
1: And hopefully there is a first aid kit in your vehicle as well.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, so first aid kit, um, if I'm going out on a chase, uh, I do have um, specific tools with me. Uh, I do have water and uh, because sometimes when you go into really severely hit areas, uh, you meet people and, and families that uh, have been displaced in a bad way. And so because I've, I've been chasing it and I'm literally on the heels of the severe weather event, I'm usually one of the first ones in the area. And while transmitting out to emergency services because the phone lines are down or, or the cell towers, that's where our radios come in. And that's how they know to send emergency services. So I have water and sometimes crackers and things like that for, for some of the families that are in a little bit of a shock, you know.
1: You know, as I hear you talk about your job, I think, yes, it's exhilarating, but it also sounds to me that it could be a little bit lonely sometimes.
2: It uh, It is. Um, there's times I, I'll forecast a storm in western Kansas and I'm on the road for about 29 hours alone, <laughs> But there is a small group of us here in uh, in Canada, uh, tightly knit, uh, storm chaser community, if you will. We do get together often uh, when there's outbreaks here in Ontario. So we do meet each other out on the road and we do get together once or twice a year for chaser barbecues and, and get together.
1: <laughs> Hopefully in good weather.
2: <laughs> yeah, we try to forecast that, <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
1: So what do the people that you love think about the job that you have?
2: Well, like anybody would, that would think about severe weather, uh, that I'm crazy. Uh, I've lost no. my mind completely. And uh, I try to explain, especially after these many years and, and the experiences and the photos and you know the events that people have seen me come and go through, uh, they understand now that I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> and um, uh, they have come a lot of them have come with me and they will never come with me again oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh they know I'm, I'm relatively safe like i said i, I do have uh, a very very big respect for weather so i i take it very easy what position i'm in in respect to the weather system that's in front of me.
1: We have an expression, don't try this at home. And I'm saying that to everyone listening because they may think it's a great hobby, but this is a job and you are certified and registered. Can you expand on that, please?
2: So um, in respect to CanWarn, CanWarn is a a spotter uh, organization. So basically they don't endorse storm chasing by any means. And what it is is we at Environment Canada headquarters out on Dufferin, uh, annually, usually late April, early March, we do have um, severe weather training, if you will, and that's for spotters, so people at home uh, in the rural areas of Ontario, or if you're driving somewhere but not facing the storm and you see severe weather events, uh, you can radio in um, or call in uh, the findings. So that helps Environment Canada. issue warnings and, and, um, and just know, basically we ground truth what they see on the radar because uh, from a certain point of the cloud base down to the ground the radars do not pick up what's really going on. So they may have a rotation in the cloud but they can't confirm if there is a funnel or, or tornado so that's where the CANWAR network comes in to ground truth what, uh, what they're seeing. Hmm.
1: You know, you talk about weather and severe weather in various parts all around the U.S. and in Canada. What about here in our own backyard in Ontario? We certainly have our share of pretty scary weather. What have you seen?
2: Yeah, so uh, Ontario uh, on average gets about 80 tornadoes a year uh, throughout the province. Um, And the reason that it's starting uh, for the last number of years to make the media or the news is because of expansion. People are living in areas where the farmer fields used to get hit and nobody knew about it. Uh, take the, um, the Vaughn Mills tornado a few years ago, like there's a shopping plaza, residential homes all over the place, and there's a tornado just cruising by. <laughs> and you wouldn't have seen that 30 years ago and, and further back. But now because uh, expansion is happening, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more damage to property and perhaps life.
1: Daring Dan Wexler, what's next for you?
2: (sighs) Well, um, when the border opens, (laughs) I'd love to get back to the U.S., although um, the prairies do get their share because the prairies are north of tornado alleys, so they do get severe weather in the summer and and very powerful tornadoes like the U.S. So uh, I'd like to go out there and help out uh, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, uh, but what's next? Um, I do want to concentrate more on hurricanes. Uh, they take their time coming in, and you can really, really get good uh, forecasting uh, with that. I have been through a few, uh, but I just can't make it out. So. The uh, east coast of the U.S. or Atlantic Canada. So I'd like to do more of that. Hmm.
1: There's always outer space. There's great weather out there as well. <laughs> Dan Wexler, <laughs> weather chaser, spotter, and reporter, but we put the word severe in front of all of that, and that makes it so exciting and respect for the dangerous uh, sides of weather. Thank you for joining us in conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: And Dan Wexler, this song's for you. Bye for now. <laughs>
0: Riders
2: on the storm, into this house we born.
0: Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.